0: Welcome to The Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now your host, Rick Hughes. Morning and welcome to The Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next 30 minutes, I'd like to invite you to stay with me, stay tuned, stick it out, because it could be, it might be the most important 30 minutes of your entire life. This show, The Flatline, is always about motivation, inspiration, education, and never any manipulation. We don't sell anything. We don't have anything for you to join. We're not trying to get you to give it up, fess it up, or anything like that. This show is about accurate information. Information that will help you verify and identify God's plan for your life. And if you would like to orient and adjust to that plan, you have the freedom and the privacy to do so. You are a free American, and we are thanking God today, after this great Memorial Weekend, for our freedom, freedom that has been bought and paid for by the lives and the sacrifices of so many people. It reminds us of a concept, freedom is never free. Even spiritual freedom was purchased by our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a sacrifice in our place, and that's why the Bible says, he who knew no sin was made sin for us, so that we may be made the righteousness of God through him. So we are free today, and you are free to listen to this show or turn it off. I hope you will listen, because I hope what I'm going to say today will challenge you. I hope it will be help and encouragement to you. But I'm not a pastor. I'm just simply an evangelist. I'm not a pastor. It's not my job to take anybody to spiritual maturity. That's the job of the pastor. And I always encourage you to find a local pastor. If you can't find one that will feed you and teach you the Word of God, then contact me and I'll tell you where you can. Because there are a lot of great pastors across this country who have information from their pulpits that they offer free. Some by the Internet, some by video, some by CD and MP3, cassettes and tapes. There are men who are teaching the Word of God clearly and lucidly. And when you get under their ministry and stick with it over a period of time, you can grow to spiritual maturity. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're talking about the believer who has grown to spiritual maturity, so much so that he has a tremendous impact in his world. He becomes what the Bible refers to as an invisible hero. That's not actually nomenclature from the Bible, but the Bible makes reference to this sort of person. He's an invisible hero. And where it makes reference to him, he's called the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth. Listen to Matthew 5.13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now, Mark also mentions the same things that our Lord said, and so does Luke. In Luke 14:34, Luke says, Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? This is the way Luke remembers our Lord saying it. He went on to say, Jesus quoted these words, It is neither fit for the land, nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Now here's the concept. God has designed a plan so that you and I can be the preserving force within a nation, within our client nation, which is client nation, USA, the United States of America. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are to be the salt, the preserving factor within that nation. Now, you know, our Lord created salt, so he obviously knew something about it when he spoke about it here. Sodium, as you know it, or NA11, as the scientists may know it. But salt has many uses. In the ancient world, much of the salt was impure, and it could lose its strength over time, becoming useless. And uh, it was often used as a catalyst in a fire, for example, burning cattle dung. That's what they use for fuel, cattle dung. When they put salt into the fire, it would change or, or be a catalyst that would create a reaction that enabled the cattle dung to burn hotter. Adding salt to water would make water boil at a higher temperature and thus reducing the cooking time. It doesn't make water boil faster, it just makes it boil hotter. So, our Lord created salt. It has been and continues to be an important part of the world's history. Even in the ancient world, they used it as a method of trade and currency. It is an essential element of our diet in all humans, and obviously in animals. Widely used, very effective. It is the number one fruit preservative In the Bible, in the world, and in the Bible, it's referred to at least 30 different times. So when the Lord says, we are the salt of the earth, we are the preserving factor of the earth. And then he goes on to say, as as I read to you, that if it's lost its flavor, then it's no good. Salt that has no taste has no value. And thus it is cast aside. Oftentimes, in the ancient world, salt that had lost its flavor would be used like gravel in a driveway. They would walk on it to eliminate slipping. Going into different, uh, I guess, different books that you would study to look upon this, I ran across something that a, a noted theologian named Barnes, this is what he says in his commentaries. He says, Barnes says, quoting now, salt renders food pleasant and palatable, and preserves from putrefaction or putrefaction. But if it becomes tasteless or loses its preserving qualities, it's useless except to be used or to be placed in a path or a walkway, as we use gravel. Barnes goes on to say that Christians, by their lives and instructions, are to keep the world free from moral corruption by bringing down the blessings of God by the answers to their prayers, and by their influence and example, they save the world from universal vice and corruption. I guess you never thought about yourself as being a preservative. but There are some questions that I have to answer for you. Hopefully this will help you understand it. When someone says to you that, that you are to deliver the world, When someone says to you that you keep the world from moral corruption, as Mr. Barnes says, by bringing down the blessing of God, the question that I have is, tell me how to do this. Don't tell me this is what I will do. Tell me how to do it. How many times have you been to church, or how many times have you heard someone say, as a Christian, that this is what you should do, but they don't tell you how to do it? I remember many years ago uh, giving an invitation for someone to rededicate their life back in the early 70s, and this person said, I want to rededicate my life, and I've tried it before, but I don't know how. Tell me how to do it. And since I didn't know either, all I could say was, well, just do a one, two, three, rededicate me, brother. That'll get you there. Obviously, that was ridiculous and stupid. No one got anywhere until you understood the mechanics of what it means to rededicate your life. And what I would like to try and do with you today is to give you the mechanics, the mechanics of what it means for you to be the preserving person, the preserving factor in a nation such as Client Nation USA. If you're going to be the salt, if you're going to be the preservative, then I must identify that and tell you how to do it. Remember, we live in the devil's domain. And in the devil's domain, we can have an influence. And the influence comes by that person that is within us. You know, our Lord Jesus Christ said, when I go away, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and the judgment. Guess where the Holy Spirit resides? The Holy Spirit resides in you. First Corinthians 3 tells you, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It is in you that the Holy Spirit resides. And so you are the preserving factor to a nation when you allow the Holy Spirit to use you. But you may also grieve the Holy Spirit of God, and you may quench the Holy Spirit of God, which means that he cannot use you. If you're going to be the salt of the earth, the first thing you have to understand is these 10 unique problem-solving devices that we teach on this radio show. We've been teaching it for five years now. Ten unique problem-solving devices that form the flat line in your soul, the forward line of troops in your soul, so that you're able to stop the outside source of adversity from becoming the inside source of stress. The first two problem-solving devices or what I'm concerned with right now. Problem-solving device number one, rebound. Problem-solving device number two, the filling of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at problem-solving device number one. What does problem-solving device number one solve? Rebound solves the problem of my sin. The Bible says if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You sin and I sin. Everyone sins. We are saddled with a sin nature. We got it from Adam. We do not all sin in the same way. Everyone doesn't get drunk. Everyone doesn't fornicate and commit adultery. Everyone doesn't steal and lie. Different people do different things. Whatever your lust pattern is, wherever your area of weakness is, when your old sin nature surfaces and takes control of your life, This is where it will happen. We will sin. It doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. does not mean you're no longer a Christian. It means you have sinned. And by sinning, you grieve the Holy Spirit and you quench the Holy Spirit of God. That's what happens when you sin. Can you recover from your sin? Yes. How do you recover from your sin? By using rebound. First John one nine The Bible says if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to purify us this is a different translation, listen, and to purify us from all of our wrongdoing, or as you may say in your Bible, to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. This is what God does. When I know I have sinned and you as well. We must go to our Father and admit the sin. If we try to hide it, if we try to cover it up, it's not going to work. And we're just going to wind up under much more discipline from God. Because in Hebrews 12, God says, Those that I love, I discipline. And sometimes I have to scourge them with a whip. And this is what God does in order to get our attention. Why would he do that? Because if he did not do it, we would self-destruct we would continue down the my way highway until we self-destructed. So much like a parent would discipline a child, the father has to discipline us on many occasions. And that discipline is always designed with one thing in mind, to get me back in fellowship with God. Sin breaks fellowship with God. When I sin, I grieve the Holy Spirit. I quench His power And I have broken fellowship with God, and I am useless to God as long as I stay out of fellowship. Now, when the Bible says salt is good, but if salt has lost its flavor, how will it be seasoned? A believer out of fellowship with God, with sin in his life, cannot preserve anything. He is not a preserving factor. This is very important. You listen and you understand this. He is not a preserving factor. So the first thing we have to do if we're going to be the salt of the earth is stay in fellowship with God 24-7. When you sin, and you will, don't wait until you go to bed at night to confess your sin. Immediately, wherever you are, if you're driving down the interstate or the highway and you lose it driving, you get mad, you get angry at someone that, that causes you to have a rage, you lose your temper. Remember, that's a sin. That's a mental attitude sin. Bitterness is a mental attitude sin. And if you will just simply confess your sin to God right there. Don't don't pull over and stop. You don't have to do that. You can simply say, Heavenly Father, I've just been an idiot. I've just lost my temper. I've just let this person take control of my life and I confess my anger and my bitterness and my implacability to you. When you do that, you're immediately filled with the Holy Spirit and you stay in fellowship with God. If you do not confess your sin, if you allow your sin nature to stay in control, you will begin to chain sin. And as you chain sin, you will grow further and further away from God, still his child, still going to heaven, you haven't lost your salvation, you are out of fellowship, you will be under discipline, and you have grieved the Spirit of God. You are not acting as a preservative. So problem-solving device number one, the rebound technique solves the problem of sin in my life. It gets me back into fellowship with God. And problem-solving device number two is the filling of the Holy Spirit. When I operate under the filling of the Holy Spirit, it solves the problem of my human energy and my human efforts. Remember that Christianity is not religion. Religion is man by human efforts, man by human energy, trying to approbate God. Christianity is not that. Christianity is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, his anointed son. It's not anything we do. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not of works, lest anyone would brag about it. So, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then you are acting as salt. Then you can be a preserving factor on a nation. But if you're under control of your sin nature, if you're letting your sin nature control your life, then you are salt that has lost its savor. So let's make this analogy. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. You've accepted him as your Savior. You did that many years ago. Are you in fellowship with God now? Is there sin that is unconfessed in your life? Is there sin You have not admitted to God. When I'm talking about sin, it could be a mental attitude sin, it could be a sin of the tongue, or it could be an actual overt sin. Mental attitude sins can include anger, bitterness, fear, worry. Sins of the tongue can include lying, slander, gossip, maligning, and overt actual sins. Well, you know what those are, murder, stealing, etc. So here we are. Are you in fellowship with God? Is the Holy Spirit controlling your life? Or have you grieved the Holy Spirit by committing sin and quenched the Holy Spirit so that he cannot use you as a preservative in a nation full of wickedness and evil? Yeah, you have to answer that question, not me. I'm just giving you the facts. How do you act as salt? Well, number one, you stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Number two, you grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, some people just like a little pinch of salt. And some people like a lot of table salt on their food. Growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is a scriptural mandate. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's in Second Peter 3:18. It's a scriptural mandate. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's a scriptural mandate. We are mandated by the Bible to grow spiritually, to understand how the plan works. We are mandated in the Bible to study to show ourselves approved unto God. Workman that needeth not to be ashamed. If we can be approved, can we be disapproved? And the answer is yes. If you do right things in wrong ways, you're disapproved. What is a right thing in a wrong way? Well, prayer. There's nothing wrong with praying. We're mandated to pray, but your prayers may not be answered because you're doing a right thing in a wrong way. What do I mean by that? If you're out of fellowship with God, with unconfessed sin in your life, and the Holy Spirit is quenched and grieved, he cannot effectively intercede for you in prayer, and your prayers will go no higher than the ceiling until you offer one prayer, and that's the admittance of your sin to God. And then he can restore the joy of your fellowship. Then he can put you back in fellowship. But until you go to the Father and admit it, you're going to be quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit. So if you're going to grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Savior, you're going to be like that salt shaker that's full at the restaurant. Not the one that's almost empty that doesn't have any salt in it. And you have to ask the waitress to bring another one. God wants you to be the full salt shaker. He wants to use you as a preservative in this nation. He doesn't want to throw you out and use you as gravel in a in a, in a roadbed so that people could walk on you. That's what they did with salt that was useless. And he doesn't want to use you as, a, as a catalyst on a dung fire to make the fire hotter. That's not what God wants to do. He wants to use you as a preservative. This doesn't mean that he wants you to walk around and act self-righteous. Put on a black suit and a little narrow tie. Carry a 40 pound Bible everywhere you go and tell people they're going to hell if they don't quit that smoking and drinking. That's not what God says. That's not even in the Bible. What does God want you to do? He wants you to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants you to grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he wants you to reflect the mind of Christ. Where's that in the Bible? In Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. We are to think like he thought. In Romans 12, 3. Stop thinking of yourself in terms of arrogance. Beyond what you ought. But think in terms of sanity. As God has assigned to each one of us. A standard of thinking. From his word. The one thing you cannot do in the Christian life. Is you cannot operate in the arrogance of thought. You have to operate under humility. Not arrogance. And both of them are thinking. Arrogance is the one that always justifies why he's right and God's wrong, why he's right and everyone else is wrong. It's not hard to spot the arrogant person because they are self-absorbed. They are into self-denial. It's always someone else that's wrong, always someone else's fault. And Christians can get into this every day. You cannot reflect the mind of Christ. And not have an attitude of humility. Because the attitude of humility is the personality profile of our Savior. He humbled himself, Philippians two six, and made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the sir the form of a servant. That's what our Lord Jesus Christ did. He didn't walk around trying to straighten people out. He walked around demonstrating that he was the Messiah that he was the Son of God. And that's what freaked everybody out, and that's why they couldn't stand him. Even from the time that he was born, they had no interest in knowing who the king of the Jews was, and they willingly gave up the information to Herod once he found out that the king of the Jews had been born. When he called in all the scribes and the Pharisees and asked where, where was it, they knew what he wanted to do. They knew he wanted to kill him. And they willingly told him, Well, he's in Bethlehem, going down, Herod. And they skedaddled out of his court alive one more time. What does God want you to do? Reflect the mind of Christ. Operate under humility. As the salt of the earth, you must be filled with the Spirit. You must be growing in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And growing means you must study That's what I gave you the verse, study to show thyself approved. If you're not studying, you're not growing. How do you study? You sit at home with a Bible? Well, that's one way. But the way God intended is for you to sit under the authority of a communicator. Or else, why did he give the gift of pastor-teacher if he didn't intend for you to use it? He equipped men that have the gift of pastor-teacher. And their job is to study and teach you the scriptures so that you can apply them into your lives. That's how you grow in grace. You take in the Word of God under a qualified pastor who teaches it to you, and you apply it into your life. It's a very simple principle. LAG, L-A-G, learn, apply, and glorify. L-A-G, learn, apply, and glorify. That's the LAG principle. So if I stay filled with the Holy Spirit, if I'm lagging or growing in the grace and the knowledge of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then I will begin to reflect the mind of Christ in my attitude and in my actions, I'll demonstrate humility, and I will become an invisible hero. This is a key thing for you to understand. Being an invisible hero doesn't mean you get into crusader arrogance. It doesn't mean as a Christian that you are sent here to straighten out the sin of the world. That's not why you were allowed to stay here after you get saved. You're here as a preservative, yes, but not to run around and and march up and down the street corners and tell everybody they're going to hell if they read those magazines or they're going to hell if they drink that stuff or smoke that stuff. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible clearly says, He that believeth not the wrath of God abides on him already. What is the issue in becoming a Christian? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So an invisible, invisible hero in the church age is that person who acts as salt. It's that purpose that has, the person that has learned his basic doctrines, like those ten problem-solving devices, You hear me talk to you about those are basic doctrines. It's a person who has some genuine humility. It's a person who is constantly growing in the grace and the knowledge of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he eventually moves all the way to spiritual maturity. Maybe that's a term foreign to you, spiritual maturity. But just as you must grow up physically, you must grow up spiritually. And there is spiritual infancy There's spiritual childhood, teenage years, and spiritual maturity. God wants you to be a mature believer. Why? So that you have maximum glorification of God through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. That's how you become the salt of the earth. Those are the mechanics, not just somebody telling you, be the salt of the earth, and you act like this and act like that. Now here is the mechanics. What I've given you is the mechanics. And as salt, you become a preserving factor in the nation, or you become what we will call the pivot, the pivot of mature believers. It only took 300 for Gideon to defeat 65,000, and it only takes a few for God to deliver this nation. But you, my friend, you must be in that pivot. You must be the salt and the preserving factor that delivers this nation. Because it's not going to be the president. It's not going to be the congressman or the senator. It's going to be you. Until next week, this is Rick Hughes saying thank you for being with me on the Floodline. Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100 Cropwell, Alabama. 35054 or online at www.rickhughesministries.org